We've been talking about, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and uh, last time we got together, we were talking about the, the uh, practices which identify a fool. Actually, we've been specifically dealing with the area of the problems of, of a fool. And um, I heard a story that may illustrate this to some degree. Um, I'll hold off on giving the person credit that told me this one, depending upon your reaction. And um, it's kind of the way that works. Anyway, there's, a, there's these two men, these two older men, they're sitting on a bench. And uh, the one guy's a Jewish man, the other guy's a Chinese man. And um, they're sitting on this bench together, and oh, a few minutes go by, and this, uh, for some reason, the, uh, the Jewish man just, man, just uh, hauls off and just wails on this Chinese guy, man, just flat knocks the snot at him and knocks him right off the bench. Oh, that's a, that's a football thing, the snot out of you, you've got to understand that. That's how I learned to blow my nose. You ever see that? (laughs) Anyway, uh, for years I never thought that was a problem until, like, you know, teachers were really down on it, and, you know, and and, uh, and then my wife really had a problem with it, and and (laughs) so anyway, I stopped doing that. Um, But uh, anyway, so these two guys are sitting on this bench, and and this, uh, this Jewish guy just hauls off and hammers this Chinese man. He just knocks him, this Chinese man, he knocks him right off the bench. And that Chinese guy got up and goes, well, what you do that for? And he said, uh, well, that's for Pearl Harbor. And the guy goes, Pearl Harbor? I'm Chinese. I'm not Japanese. The guy goes, Chinese, Japanese, what's the difference? So they're sitting there, and about five minutes go by, and this Chinese guy's there. And he just hauls off and just knocks a snot out of this Jewish man, knocks him right off the bench. And this guy's laying on the ground. He said, well, what's that for? He goes, that's for the Titanic. He said, the Titanic? He goes, the Titanic? He goes, yeah. He goes, Goldberg, Steinberg, Iceberg, what's the difference? (laughs) The problem of fools. So that's what we're talking about last time we got together, the problem of foolish people. And I'm sure that uh, some of you, as we sit here, know a foolish person when they see him. Because they can identify him by the practices, according to the Bible, which identify a foolish person. And uh, we went into great detail last time on what some of these practices are. If you weren't here, here's what they were. And you're not going to go into detail. That's what they are. So hurry up. You got it? Write it down. There we go. All right. Now, what we're going to do is that we saw that uh, basically there are seven practices that we talked about last week that identify a fool. Number one, a fool gets into argument easily. They're ready for a fight, man, anytime and everywhere. And a day doesn't go by where you don't meet such a person. I'll guarantee you that. It was so funny. Monday morning, this is a way to start a week. Monday morning, after we just had discussed this, we're, my partner and I, we're, we're driving out of my street. We go uh, 47 feet down the street. And we go to make a left. And there was a company that were putting carpet in one of the neighbor's houses. And they were kind of hanging out, and their big carpet tube was hanging out in the street. And there was a guy that was parallel parked along the sidewalk that was going to try to get past that particular carpet truck. Well, he swung out in the middle of the street just as we turned the corner, and he almost wrecked right into us. And uh, the next thing I know, this guy is waving to me. And I think he lost four other fingers. He... Three fingers and a thumb were missing on the man's hand. And he's shouting, man, for all he's worth. It's like it... And, I, and I'm thinking, 
Now, let me get this straight. So it's so funny because we just talked about this. So, so Dave and I were, were, well, gee, what should we do? Well, I don't know. I think we should talk to this man. So we pulled up next to him, wound the window down. It's a lot easier because Dave was on the passenger side, so if anything happened... <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do this stuff, you got to do it right. So it's like, pushed his button, and the button window goes down. And, excuse me, sir, does there seem to be some problem here? And he's like, well, well, well let, me, let me understand this. You almost wrecked into us, and you're mad at us. I just want to make sure that we got this picture straight. And he goes, well, no, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at the whole situation. The whole situation, the man, I don't know what happened between the time he got out of his house and got into his truck, which was like a six, maybe 60-foot walk, to the time he got into his truck to the time he flipped us off. Now, I don't know how bad it could have been up to that point, but it was like, what a great illustration of a foolish person, especially flipping two rather good-sized guys. <laughs> And he was a skinny little dude. That's that little skinny guy. And that's the way it always is. It's always those little skinny people that are always starting fights. All my skinny little friends used to get me into fights all the time. It's like, yeah, what are you looking at? And it's like, you're only four feet tall. What are you starting this for? Well, because you guys are here. Well, I don't want anything to do with this. Beat them up. So, but that's a foolish person. A fool gets into arguments easily. A fool treats sin lightly. They think they're doing something. They're getting away with it. It doesn't matter what God says. Hey, I'm doing it. I'm having fun. And I don't see any problems. There's no consequence. I'm going to keep on doing it. A foolish person treats sin lightly and doesn't understand the consequences of their action. A fool also responds to seduction easily. And not only do they respond to it, they brag about it. They think that's part of life. You know, It's like, hey, how many times and how many places and with how many people? And, you know, and... and uh, and as much as I love Magic Johnson as a basketball player, he fits the category of a foolish man according to the description of the Bible. And if you saw the interview the other night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, the Bible is very clear. And see, the Bible makes no regards to man or his position, uh, our background, what we do for a living, uh, what race we happen to be. See, God doesn't care about any of that because he made us. He created us, so he already understands all that. And so he's not a respecter of men nor position. Because he is God. And so the definitions that we have of a foolish person are God's definition and not our interpretations of what he says. This is what he says. A foolish person responds quickly and easily to seduction. And then to aggravate it, they treat that sin lightly as if it's no big deal. And the next thing you know, they're actually making a mockery of what God calls sacred and holy. And we've got to be careful about that. And we've got to be careful about not looking at the person and understanding that it's not the person that we're ever dealing with, but it's the action of that person. So it doesn't become a personal thing. And that's why we can share with one another and friends and relatives and others, and it's not a judgmental thing against you as a person, but it's a judgment of your actions. And that's important to understand that. The foolish person squanders money, thinks that, you know, they just live for today, for tomorrow we die, eat, drink, and be merry, you know, who cares about tomorrow? And we see that, all, we see that demonstrated throughout all of areas of society. We see it particularly as a nation in how we spend money. How foolish it is to think that we can mortgage, you know, basically sacrifice our future on the altar of today. 
And that's what we've done with credit and deficit spending and the rest of it goes along with it. It's a, it's a violation of a biblical principle that says, hey, you know what? We need to be wise and we need not spend tomorrow's revenue today. We need to be able to manage it in a way that is proper before God. Number five, we develop wrong values. And that value system is simply this in Luke 12. We're not rich toward God. We are rich toward ourselves. God comes second or third or even if he's on our list and we come first. And that's just the way that it is. Number, uh, number six, that the angry person also harbors, uh, I mean, the, uh, the foolish person harbors anger and resentment and bitterness in their life. And they're always looking for a way to get even to somebody that hurt them in the past. And God says that's foolishness. And it robs you of all the joy of living today. And then number seven is that the, the, the uh, foolish person uh, also is one who practices deceit and lying. And uh, we'll use that as an illustration and all these as an illustration in a minute because, see, those are all external things. That's what we can see. But what you and I cannot see is the pride or the heart of the person that's a foolish person. And that's something that God sees. And for us to have insight into what we cannot see, God uh, readily makes available to us a list of some things. And uh, what we need to do is go through them. A list of attitudes that always precede our actions. And if you got this attitude then it's just going to be a matter of time before you start demonstrating in some of the areas of your life these practices. So these practices come from the heart and the root of all of our problems in our heart is that of pride. And so here we go with some of the pride which characterizes a fool. Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 3. Proverbs 14, verse 3. It says, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. In Proverbs 12, 15, if you jump back a couple of chapters, Proverbs 12, 15, we read this. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The pride that characterizes a fool is, is uh, what does it mean to be right in your own eyes? doesn't mean to be right in your own eyes. The, the, the foolish person or foolish man or woman is right in their own eyes. What? You're just right all the time. You're right all the time. You think you're right. In your own eyes, you think you're right. And if you don't, you know, if you don't think that's true of that person, just ask them and they'll tell you that they're right. And uh, so what God is saying is the pride that characterizes a foolish person is a person that believes that he or she is right in their own eyes. Now, what that means is this. If you're right in your own eyes, there's no objective standard to compare whether you are right or wrong. You follow what I'm saying? See, it's like I ask a person, well, how do you know that you're right? What do they say? I'm always right. So that, yeah, I just know it. I just know that I am. Or they give it this. Well, I just feel like I am. You know, I feel like I'm right. Or I know that I'm right. And, and, then, and then the real proud or boastful person says, I know that I'm right. And I'm always right. And then you ask him, well, were you ever wrong? Well, yeah, I was wrong once, but then I remembered I was wrong. So I wasn't. So I've never been wrong. And the only way you can ask yourself the question, are you really a foolish person, and do you believe you're always right, ask yourself this. When was the last time you said, I'm wrong? 
When was the last time in your life and in the circle that you find yourself in, whether it's business or family or marriage with your children, whatever it is, when was the last time you said, you know what? You're right and I am wrong. How many people do that? And so there's a lot of foolish people that are sitting, and that's why it says that the foolish person is right or wise in their own eyes, but the wise man or woman listens to counsel. Meaning this, if I could prove to you, and how many times have you met people like this? If I could prove to you that you are wrong in what you think about a certain subject, would you be willing to change your mind? I hear this all the time. And I also hear people say, well, no, no, I'm not going to change my mind. Even if I could convince you that what you believed is wrong and show you evidence to, to su support what I'm about to say, if I could show you that evidence to support that you are wrong, would you change your mind? And people say no. Well, how stupid can we get? Think about it. What God says is a proud person is one who always believes that they're right. And it doesn't matter what evidence that is shown. And so what we need to understand as we go through this thing is uh, how, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with a proud person that always thinks that they're right? How do you respond when you're confronted? For example, let's take some of these things that we've already seen. Let's say a person comes up to you and they say, you know, um, here, let's just say, hey, you know, you lied to me. How do you respond to that? No, I didn't lie to you. Oh, no, you must have misunderstood what I said. That's not what I said. Well, that may be what I said, but that's not what I meant to say. But I must have said what I said, not meaning that that's what I meant to say. And that was, I mean, that, no, don't, no, uh, that, no. I, but you misunderstood me. See, when somebody confronts you, you lied to me. Do you say... I did? And they say, yeah, here's how. Bang, 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 bang. Are you willing at that point to say, man, you know what? You're right. I did lie to you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I lied to you. I don't know why I lied to you. Sometimes you do know why you lied to him, but you still say, I don't know why you lied to him, and then you lie again. <laughs> and you're all messed up, you know? It's like, you know, because you don't want to, you know, totally go, okay. I lied. Oh, forgive me. You know, you don't want to do that. You know, you want to try to maintain some sense of pride throughout all this because we know pride's such a wonderful thing to have. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, that, that's a whole session in itself. But, you know, stop thinking about it. How, are, how do you respond when you're confronted with the truth? And by the way, the truth isn't what somebody thinks. The truth is objective evidence. I think you lied to me. Well, you may think that, you may feel that, but that may not be the case at all. What is the objective evidence that I did? See, because we're all messed up when it comes to that. So the fool is always right no matter how much evidence exists to contradict their position. So we need to understand that. Do you acknowledge, and the best test of it very simply is, do you acknowledge uh, when you are wrong? If not, you are a foolish person in the sight of God. And by the way, you know, you get this list of things, and, and, uh, and it's like, here, here's, you know, some of the, the practices that we talked about. Uh, let, let me just tell you the way this works. 
if you're only guilty of two out of seven, that's not real good. I know, because some people last night, they're walking out thinking, man, you know what, that's not bad, you know. They only nailed me on one out of seven. It's all right, you know, I got it together in all these other areas, but man, you know, one out of seven, shoot, that'll pass in any school that I've ever been. You know, if I got to hit six out of seven times, man, in the, in the majors, they don't have enough money. You know? So it's like, you know, somehow we, we, we carry this, you know, this grading on a curve thing a little bit too far. God says, if you're guilty of any of these things, then you better confess it and get it right. Straighten up. Fly right. All that kind of stuff. Okay, number two. You got your Bible still open? Turn to Proverbs 17.10. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what we just talked about. Proverbs 17.10. Another example of the heart of a foolish person, Proverbs 17.10. says, A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Alright? Turn a couple chapters ahead, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Look at verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool... For he will despise the wisdom of your words. Okay? Did you follow these two thoughts? Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke, correction goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. How many parents out here had children? Had. Now, that's probably not a good way to put that. <laughs> have had children at one point in the past, still having them, of course, now in the present and continue to have them in the future. How many of you have had children who are foolish kids? And you know how you can identify them? You can stink and beat them silly, and they don't change for nothing. And that's the point. He goes, you know what? A foolish person, you can beat them a hundred times. Now, consider what's being said here, okay? It's like, you know, you don't count it off. And there's 99, there's 90, there's 100. Okay, good. Now, I did what the Bible said to do. Um, but you think about it. How many of you had kids or you paddle them? It's like, man, you could stink and just get worn out. It's like, well, you know, anybody else besides us? Please make me feel good here. <laughs> anybody? Thank you very much. It's like, by the time you're done, you're so worn out. It's like, man, what's it going to take to get this girl or boy <laughs> attention? What's it going to take? Man, I know parents are like, oh man, I'm so t- I feel like I'm abusing my children. I'm so tired of spanking them, man. They're just wearing me out. And it's like nothing seems to be sinking in. We've all seen foolish people like that. And regretfully, it doesn't go away when you get bigger. It's like some of you. And me sometimes. It's like, you know, you can turn me over and spank me. And it's like, you ain't going to change me. That's what we're saying in our heart. What's that? That's pride in our heart that says, I don't care how many times I get beat for this, I am not giving it up. It was like Paul Horning used to play for the Green Bay Packers. Paul Horning was a womanizer and he, was a, he, was a, you know, he liked to go out and party and he had all the stuff that he liked to do. But in the NFL, they have a curfew. And they have fines if they violate curfew. So 11 o'clock is curfew. So Paul Horning would go out. And, and uh, Coach Lombardi would find out he was out again. He said, Horning, and this is in the 1960s, he said, Horning, that's going to cost you $250. And he went out. Okay? A couple weeks later, they check, bed check, where's Paul Horning? He's out again. All right, Horning, that's going to cost you $500. And he goes out, does it again. 
Next time, it's $750. Man, nothing's working here. So finally, Coach Lombardi went to him and he said, Listen, Paul, the next time you break curfew, it's going to cost $1,000. And if you are going anywhere that you think is worth $1,000, then you come and you wake me up and I'm going with you. <laughs> it's like, you know, nothing was going to change the man. And that's how some of us are. You know, the Bible says, what you're doing is wrong. You say, I don't care. I don't care if it costs me two fifty or five hundred or seven fifty or a thousand. I don't care what it costs. I want to keep doing it. God said, Man, you are one foolish, stubborn, thick headed person. You are a doll of hearing. And I'm gonna have to whoop you upside the back of your butt. And uh, that's Southern God. Um, <laughs> but you know, and that's what he's got to do. He takes you out to the woodshed and he'll just stick it to you. Hebrews 12, if you're one of his kids and he loves you and he says he does, he's going to beat you. And sometimes we're like, God beats us a hundred times and we're still foolish enough to keep doing what we're doing. He says, man, you know what? What's the problem here? The problem is that a foolish person, his heart is so proud he doesn't respond to correction or reproof. He doesn't respond. And what do you do for a foolish person? You know what you do? You pray for him. That's all you can do. You keep disciplining him. You keep confronting him with the truth of the word of God. But there's a point in time where you begin to realize that only God Almighty is going to change this foolish person's heart. I can't do it. You can't do it. Nothing we can do. And I guess it comes down to that. We just have to turn him over to the Lord and pray for him. And it's so awesome, too, is to see how many times we've struggled for years and years and years and years and years in trying to help somebody correct their ways and behavior. And we never pray for them in the process. You know what I say to do? I say pray for them right off the bat. Save yourself a lot of aggravation. Let God take care of them. You can confront them. You can hit them, you know, hit them with the truth. Uh, show them where they're, where they're wrong. But let me tell you something. Just let God deal with it. Because God can change a heart quicker than anything that you and I can ever say or do to try to confront them with the truth. Just the way it goes. Because it's a heart issue. You know, spanking someone's butt, though it's the right thing to do, eventually it's not going to do anything but wear you out. It's like, man, I had like this weird thing. I had this like one bicep that was just, you know, awesome. And the other arm was a little limp and, you know, it just never got the work that this one did, you know. And it's like after a while you got to work them both by going, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, you know. And you get them kind of going that way. So anyway, number three. Here's the, 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 the proud heart of a fool. Look at Proverbs 28, verses 25 and 26. Proverbs 20, 28, 25 and 26. I like this. An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You notice what he's saying here? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely. You know, the book of Proverbs is a book of contrast. And basically what it boils down to is, do you either trust your own heart or do you trust in the Lord? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in all your heart and then add the Lord. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will guide your paths. So what he's saying is the foolish person trusts in his or her own heart. 
And usually it manifests itself by stupid little things. It's like the foolish person thinks that he knows. They think they're always right. Thinks he can understand. Thinks his feelings are accurate. Thinks that whatever he believes in his heart is right. And you hear people say this all the time. Well, I really believe in my heart that this is the right thing to do. How do you know that you should marry this person? How do you know that you should enter into this business deal? How do you know that you should sell your house? How do you know you should buy that? How do you know you should uh, uh, whatever? You know what I'm saying? And the foolish person says, well, here's how I know. I just know in my heart. You do? Would you know in your heart yesterday that you don't know in your heart today? Would you know in your heart this morning that it's not gonna, you're not going to know in your heart this afternoon? You know, what'd you know in your heart? Well, I knew in my heart that I had gas from pepperoni pizza and it made me feel kind of miserable toward a certain person. So I knew in my heart I didn't like him. Oh, yeah? Really? I mean, how many of you had bad days? Have you ever had a bad day? Or is it just me every time I look out here and wonder, you know, what's going on? Huh? Huh? Come on. Ever have a bad day? Yes, you've had... Okay, you've had bad days. Now, how many people around you have had bad days because you had a bad day? Hallelujah, amen, praise it, preach it, brother. I mean, you have made people miserable in your life because you had a bad day, have you not? Has it had anything to do with them? Most of the time, no. They just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time asking you a question of, are you having a bad day? And, and when they ask that, then you go, yeah, and now you will too. And that's the way it works. So what he's saying is, the foolish person in their heart I know that what I'm doing is right. I don't think so. You better have some real objective evidence and support for why what you're about to do is right. See, now the wise person says, I believe that what we're about to do is right because, number one, I searched the Scripture in this particular subject and I can't find anything that would say that what I'd like to do is wrong. Number two, I sought good godly counsel as to what we're about to do and they're in agreement that from a biblical perspective that what we would like to do is the right thing to do or at least it's not the wrong thing to do because sometimes it's not that clear cut and the third is as a married person I consulted with my wife and my family and we're in agreement that it's the right thing to do and then fourth and the last thing is this James 4.17 says to him that knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin so I've gone through this process of analyzing and evaluating what it is that we would like to do. Therefore, based on the confidence that I have that the way that we went about it is right, Ecclesiastes says, Now I'll make a decision, I'll cast my bread upon the water, and not many days from now it'll return to me, and I believe God, and I'm going to step out and trust Him with all my heart in this decision. You see, there's a big difference in saying, I'm just going to do this because I feel like I'm going to do it. There's a process that needs to take place and we need to be aware of what that process is so that we do not become foolish in what we do to lead to foolish consequences of foolish decisions. But the foolish person just trusts in their heart. Oh, I don't want to hear from you what the Bible says about it because I've already got a good feeling about it in my heart. I hear this all the time with single people that, you know, you know are in the process of, of sinning before God in areas of sexual immorality. Oh, we just we, we love each other. We feel good about it. We don't feel bad about it. No, well, whatever. Well, I'm going to pray that you feel really rotten about it because that's according to the word of God you're going to. So there, how does that make you feel? And they start getting convicted about it right there. It really messes up a real good thing they had going there for a little bit. But uh, And that's okay. 
you love them, you care for them, then you better believe that what God says is right because a foolish person isn't accountable for their actions and believes that they can sin before God and not experience consequences. So who's going to step up and be counted and be heard and let people know what the Word of God says? I hope, I hope some of us will. And so, number four, it also goes along with this. The foolish person then resists the Lord. Well, I, I don't care. See, it goes in a progression here. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care if I'm convicted about what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep doing it. And they begin to resist, they resist God. They resist the authority of the Word of God. And let me tell you what else happens that I've noticed from personal experience. They will then hide from you. Why would they want to be around you? Because if you are going to continually encourage them to do what's right before God and to correct them or rebuke them or confront them, and we're going to talk a lot about that when we get into what the book of Proverbs says about friendship, if you're going to encourage them to do what's right, then guess what happens? They don't want to be around you anymore. So what do you have? You've got two choices. Either you be in the compromise so that they like you again and allow them to keep doing what they're doing, or you're going to have to trust God and know that what you're doing is right and believe that what is being done is right and pray for them that sometime your relationship can be restored but not for the sake of compromising truth. And I'll tell you this, and not many people experience it, I have, and it's the most wonderful thing in the world, when you hold firm to the convictions of the Word of God and after a period of time the person that has alienated themselves from you comes back and says, you know what, when I was going through, I was going through. You are the only person who stuck to the Word of God. And I want to come back to you and talk to you because I want to get right before God. Now, I'll tell you what, there's no better feeling in the world if you want to talk about feelings than to know that you did what was right before God and that God honors His Word as He promises and that you are in a position that nobody else was in because they compromised and they allowed their friend to continue to sin before God. And you stood up and said, you need to be right with God. Man, I'll tell you what, that's good stuff. Sometimes it's a great position to be in. And number five, that a foolish person hates knowledge. A foolish person hates knowledge. Why? Think about it for a minute. What if you're doing something that's wrong before God? And you want to keep doing what's wrong before God. What's the last thing that you want to hear? Huh? what God has to say. So the foolish person hates knowledge. I don't want to know what God has to say because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Now, here's the dumbest thing about it. Here's the dumbest thing. Have you ever been in this situation? This is so dumb. It's like, you go, I don't want to know what God has to say about what I'm doing. But if you're a Christian, what happens? You already know. You already know. Because the Spirit of God lives within you and He's saying, what are you doing? The Spirit of God is from Pittsburgh. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Don't you know, of course you do, this kind of stuff goes on. Don't you know, of course you do, that what you're doing is wrong. Then why do you keep on doing it? And then God brings people in your life and says, hey, you know, here's what it says in the Bible. And you go, well, I don't, I don't want to know. Because, see, if I don't know what it says in the Bible, then I can't be held accountable to it. So what I say is, let's all stop reading our Bibles. Huh? What do you think? How many of you think that makes sense? Now, stop and think about it for a minute, but that's our attitude. 
If I don't know what God says is right or wrong, then God, therefore, cannot hold me accountable to what's right or wrong. So then my encouragement would be, let's all stop reading our Bible and do whatever we want to do, because then we won't be held accountable. What a great program. What a stupid thing I just said. Because, amen, hallelujah, yeah, there's two amens. It's the only time I get an amen is when I say I said something stupid. You're like, amen, it's about time. Now now you're, you're preaching the right stuff. Because, why? Because ignorance of the law is no excuse before the law. That's why. I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know that that was wrong. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't know that stealing all that stuff from the company was wrong. I didn't see that in the employee handbook. I mean, I can't have the fax machine. I didn't know. Oh, it's like that commercial. Do you like that commercial that's on now? The one where the, uh, the, the there's a, it's a, the lottery commercial, the, the football player, uh, he gets a penalty, you know. 15 yards, personal foul. The guy comes over and whispers to the referee. Referee comes back on. There is no flag. He said he is deeply sorry for what he just did. I like that, you know, because some of us are like that. It's kind of like, you're stinking dreaming is what it's all about. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? Whether you want to know or not, you're still held accountable. So now what I say, you better dig into the book. And you better know what's right or wrong because you're held accountable anyway. And the neat thing is, the Spirit of God guides you into all truth, so He's convicting you anyway about what you're doing. Only difference is that you may not have read that passage and verse yet, but it's in there. And when you find it, you'll go, oh, Oh, but I don't want to know that. Why? Because I got to make a tough decision. What is it? I got to stop doing what I'm doing. But gee, I think I can keep doing it and getting away with it because I've been doing it this long and I haven't gotten in trouble yet. And God says, You are a foolish person. You're a foolish person. Payday someday. Don't deceive yourself. God's not mock. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Oh, let's see. Where do we go from here? How many of you want to listen to any more of this? It's like, oh, you know, last week was bad enough. You had seven. Now you got five, and geez. But I'm only guilty of two out of five. No, you know what? Actually, the way I look at this, you're either guilty of them all or you're not guilty of any of them. Do you see that? Because they all go hand in hand. It's kind of a progression here. I believe that I'm right, so I don't want knowledge. I believe that I'm right, so when you confront me with knowledge, I'm not going to listen to it. I believe that I'm right, so I'm trusting in my own heart, and therefore, if I'm trusting in my own heart, I'm resisting the Lord. So you just can't be guilty of one or two out of five. You're either a proud, stubborn old fool or you're not. Or you know, proud, stubborn young fool or you're not. It's one way or the other. So what do we do? Well... You know, there's consequences, and you can jot these down. We don't have time to go through them, but let me tell you something. There's a problem which exists for a fool that he or she will experience in her life, or his life. The foolish person's life will be destroyed. You know, and what do we need to see in society to understand that truth? Death comes for a foolish person. Foolish person, I can keep doing this and I'll get away with it. Oh, you foolish person. No, you can't. And no, you won't. 
There's actual physical death that can come from leading a, a life of foolishness. Jumping in the car drunk, driving down the road. I've been doing it. I can continue to do it. It's not going to affect me. Bang. I can keep on playing Russian roulette with my sex life, and it won't affect me, boy. Bang. I keep I can keep being angry and blowing steam at people and I can get upset and I can just be an argumentative person and it won't affect me until that guy pulls out a gun and wastes you. See that's the scary thing about yelling or screaming at somebody on the freeways in Los Angeles. See, they used to just flip you off with the bird, now they try to shoot you. But that's all part of living a foolish life anyway, isn't it? See, we can't protect ourselves from a lot of things that happen in society, and thank God he's in control. But there are a lot of things that happen to us as individuals that we have great control over the outcome. A foolish person also experiences the displeasure of God. God's not pleased with us when we're foolish, and the reason is very simple, because we're being disobedient to the word of God. God takes no pleasure in fools. And as you go through this, this whole thing of destruction of own life, there's three areas that the book of Proverbs talks a lot about. And just kind of write these down and do it on your own, do your own homework. Because the only way that you really learn it is not to listen to somebody like me explain it as much as just spending time and studying it on your own. And the best way to learn anything is to live it. I have people ask me all the time, how long does it take you to, uh, you know, to uh, prepare for what you do? What do you mean? Well, how long does it take? I mean, you sit down and do an outline. I mean, how long does it take? You know, an hour, an hour and a half? How long does it take? See, what people don't realize is that to, to teach the Word of God, the book of Ezra says it well. Ezra said, you know what? I, I've dedicated my life to study it, to live it, and then to teach it. And the only way anybody can teach anybody about the things of God is to be dedicated to study it and to live it on your own. And then you can teach it in a very practical way. So God says, you need to live it, folks. You need to live it. You need to sit down, you need to study it, and then you need to apply it. And you need to see and taste of God and see that what he says is true. These are the consequences of living a foolish life. Our conversation can destroy our life and our friendships by the things that we say to other people. Our companionship, and let me tell you something. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33. You want to talk about a principle? I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You're only going to grow close, as close to the Lord as the people around you are growing and will encourage you to grow. Don't be deceived. Your life is a life of a fool if you have close associations with people who do not love the same Lord that you claim to love and do not love the same Word of God that you say that you love and you want to be obedient to. You are a foolish person. Bad company corrupts good morals. You better take a good hard look at who you're hanging around. And then the last thing is complacency. And let me tell you something. We've got a lot to learn as a nation. And God's people have a lot to learn, and we're going to learn the hard way in the years to come about being complacent and not stepping forward and letting this country of ours know and this society that we live in that there is a clear standard of right and wrong. We live still in a world of absolutes according to the word of God, word of God, 
and we do not live in an age of relativism where everything is relative to the time and the place. God transcends time and space. His word of God, his word is eternal. He is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is never going to change. And we are foolish people who live in a foolish nation if we think we've got a different God today than the God who created this universe when he did. And let me tell you something. We better stop being so complacent and we better be heard in the workplace that we live, in the neighborhood where we live, in the families that God has put us in, and in the, in the community that we find ourselves. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And let me tell you something. We need to get back into the word of God, and we need to let people know there is a right way to live and a wrong way to live, and that's what we're learning in the book of Proverbs. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to look into your word, to learn and understand what you have to teach us about being foolish people. God, you tell us that there is no hope for a fool and that a fool says in his heart there is no God. God, how can we be people who acknowledge your existence, who claim to love you, who claim to serve you, who claim to have come to know you in a personal way through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How can we be a people who claim that you are our Father and yet continually be disobedient to your word? God, do what you ever have to do to make sure that each one of us are obedient in every area of life. For there is no hope for a fool, and a fool's end is always destruction. God, help us to be wise men and women as we seek you, we seek your word, and we just pray that you can give us the strength and the courage and the conviction through the power of your Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit so that we do not carry out the desires of the flesh. And God, we thank you for your word. And we just pray that we can continually spend time and study it, but also to live it, to see how true it really is, and then to give you all the honor and glory and the praise for the results. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.